0: Good afternoon, this is Gary Cavney here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Today is Wednesday the 17th of June. Michael, how have you been?
1: I've been very well. I took advantage yesterday of the liberalisation of the uh, movement and I went all the way down to the Head and had a lovely day. It's a very beautiful place. Anybody who hasn't been down around it, I highly recommend it. And uh, lovely sunshine and... Lovely view. Sadly, no pubs open serving substantial meals, but other than that, it was a very nice day.
0: Would you say that's the first time you've ever enjoyed the liberalisation of something?
1: Uh no. <laughs> there was something else that happened in the early nineties in Ireland, which I quite enjoyed the liberalising of. But to be honest, I quite enjoyed some of that even before it
0: was liberalised. So, but we we'll move on. Did the liberalisation not remove the guilty thrill from it?
1: Oh, no, no, the guilty thrill never goes away, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that comes in built in. If you were born in 1969, that comes with it.
0: So it's been a very, uh, it's been very interesting. There's a couple of things we want to talk about with you guys. Uh, on Friday, we're going to have an interview with Colin Wright. A um, His PhD is in biology. He specialised in insects. He's an editor at Quillette now. He was... A, he was teaching at Penn State, but basically got chased out because he wrote a, a uh, Wall Street Journal article arguing that biological sex existed. So we'll be having a chat with him about academia and uh, about the transgender debate from uh, the basically the perspective of someone whose specialty is biology. Controversial views, Michael. So that'll be happening on Friday. We'll be back on Sunday with the With the Sunday show as per normal. So there's a couple of things we want to go through here. Some quite interesting stuff. The program for government has been signed now. And there's there's some stuff in it I thought was interesting. Particularly interesting, Michael. Yeah. There's a line in it that says that they are going to... How they're going to fund public services. Because the public finances are currently a yawning black hole into oblivion. Yeah, they're not good. They're not good, but we're not bringing up taxes and we're going to actually engage in a massive spending program. Massive spending. Massive.
1: Spend. Spend is going to be fantastic.
0: And I mean, it's been a mere 120, 140 days since the election. So, of course, in the time it took them to put together the program for government, they didn't have time to cost anything that's in the program for government. Oh, Any But I mean, it was only you know it was it was it was done very quickly. But the line I really liked was the line where they said that one of the ways they fund public services is they take any of the money that they got from carbon tax, and that they would use it to fund public services and your know, welfare. So that carbon taxes are very regressive; they hurt the worst off the most. So they're saying, well, we'll take the money we get from them and give it back to the poor in other forms of social welfare, because nothing will make you look as good as taking money from someone quietly and then giving it back to them loudly.
1: With a big trumpet and fanfare. You know that tenor we took from you? Well, here's 750 of it back.
0: The thing about a carbon tax is a carbon tax's purpose is not actually to raise revenue. No, it's a behaviour changer. That's its entire point. If that wasn't the case, the carbon tax would be absolutely pointless. So... Here's the problem with the carbon tax and the idea of paying for things. If the carbon tax is properly done, it won't raise much money because people will change their behaviour in order to avoid paying the tax. If, in fact, it raises substantial revenue, that would indicate that the carbon tax is totally ineffective.
1: Well, Gary, I think you're missing another possibility, that it's not supposed to be effective because they know that it can never actually be effective. That there are no alternatives in most of the cases for people to go to that are not carbon uh, carbon based so that what actually will happen is that people will continue to use them but will have to pay a higher price for them in the absence of any other alternative so it will effectively be a revenue generating tax It won't change people's behaviour, but it will make people hate the government very much and hate the Greens. So in that sense, it will be a good thing.
0: Michael, that is is the view of a cynic.
1: No, you hurt me when you say these things, Gary.
0: That would seem entirely possible because we haven't actually set the carbon tax at the rate that the ERSI says will be required to change behaviour. Presumably, because there is a fear that the government who did that would never again get into power.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but also, I mean, a genuine question: on a whole range, what are the alternatives? I mean, if you want, okay, let's assume that ultimately most of the energy that we're going to be consuming at this stage in this more greener world, the greener world, is going to be electricity, right? So we're not going to be burning coal and wood and oil and gas in our homes. We're not going to be using gas cookers. We're not going to be using oil-centric heating. Our homes are going to be all electricity, Gary, right? But you have to generate electricity. Now, we're not going to be using turf, and we're not going to be using coal and oil. And we have said, we're even if we find gas or oil, we're not going to get it out of the ground. We're even going to stop looking for it. I mean, Jesus, we're the first squirrels that stopped that said in the history of the world, to "Say we're not going to look for nuts." But we're going to still have to get electricity from somewhere. Now, will it come from solar power, Gary? No. Will it come from the wind? No. Where will it come from? It. The only place it can come from at the end is probably is going to be France, isn't it? Bah. France does
0: have a lot of uh, nuclear power, which they're happy to export.
1: So why can't we just build a nuclear power station?
0: Ah, because nuclear power is icky.
1: Yeah, I know. I know it's icky. But Gary, the thing is, you have made the point a number of times, and I think it's a point that people don't maybe get, understand fully. The basis, the absolute basis, the core of modern industrial and post-industrial society is energy. This portable, movable, usable energy. I think people, for example, have no sense how much energy is used up by their computer, their laptop, their tablet, their phone, the, the, the bits and pieces, the paraphernalia that come with uh, being a connected person, let alone everything else. If you reduce, if because we don't have any other source of energy, we simply reduce the energy we use, we will go... We cannot live the way we live. We cannot live anything like the way we live with reduced energy. So we're going to have to get energy from somewhere. And it's either going to be carbon because none of the rest, none of the alternatives work, or it's going to be nuclear. It's one or the other.
0: Well, it can't be nuclear because nuclear isn't mentioned in the program for government.
1: But it can't be carbon either because carbon is... We're, we're we're having we're, we're having a seven percent year on year reduction in carbon usage
0: well we're having uh, averaged seven percent year on year reduction on carbon, which will primarily be backloaded to the last half of this decade, which is to say the program for government attempts to bind the next government which it can't do, and so therefore won't be able to. Really, you can you could reduce carbon by any amount over the term of this government and um, say that the next government will pick it up. It's all... It's,
1: and I know people are saying this. And I say, well, my, I my sponsors first. I think it's far too sanguine an approach because they're going to frame legislation and it may well be. Certainly, you can't buy in the next doll. So the next doll may decide to repeal that legislation. It is the fact that Irish dolls have a very poor track record on the repealing of legislation we have no idea if oops, after that will the greens be part of the numbers to make up the next government the way with the fracturing of irish politics I think it's perfectly reasonable to imagine that if the greens still have 10 or 12 or 15 tds that they're going to be very much in the mix and going to be required also even if they front load it gary if we're looking at this say this this government is notionally going to last five years right Call it four years. I reiterate any kind of reduction in our energy usage of the next four years, year on year, at a time when our economy has got the balls kicked out of us.
0: Well, Michael, you'd be happy to know that the programme for government says that should the deficit be, uh, should they need to close the deficit, they'll focus any tax rises on those taxes that tax behaviour with negative externalities. Such as carbon tax, sugar tax, plastics. Doesn't mention alcohol, but that'll probably be there as well. Which again is they're saying that if we need to raise more money, we will raise taxes on the things which, if we raise them properly, won't raise any money.
1: Uh, yes, uh, I would say also at this point, you—if uh, we're talking sin taxes—and if the first thing we should they think they need to remember is. The likelihood is not is that you, we're not going to see large increases in sin taxes in the United Kingdom, and on part of this island, we have the United Kingdom, and if we're talking about increasing the, well, certainly say something like alcohol or tobacco, without any a kind of a parallel increase in the North of Ireland, it won't work. We will see a decline. I think we're we're already seeing declines in income from tobacco because of the expansion of the black market because the the price reached the pushing point the turning point i think it's that that will happen with alcohol also if we increase duty on in alcohol we're just going to end up in a place where you're going to generate a grey market a black market you're going to have bathtub gin because
0: I want bathtub gin i'll we'll get the chance to go blind
1: i'll get the chance to go blind but you you know you i probably shared this before but don't do this on, in any way. Regard this as medical evidence or medical advice. But I was advised by a doctor in uh, near the Alps, from an area near the Alps in where they make a lot of people make their own grappa. That if somebody, if you eat, if you get bad alcohol, which is the is it methyl is the bad alcohol, and ethyl is the good one, or the other way around, whichever way, anyway. You give them vodka or you give them whiskey as a cure because whatever way the lid were digested, it prioritizes one and gives the other stuff a chance to go around the body and get excreted rather than driving, giving you brain damage or making you go blind. It's. This is a nonsense. It's a very, very dangerous nonsense. But, Gary, we're not the only people that don't understand the economics of this.
0: I mean, we're not the only people who think this is a nonsense. In fact, it appears that some of the people who negotiated the document think it's a nonsense. And are willing to say so on TV. Well, if they
1: weren't willing to vote for it, there has to be some kind of an
0: explanation why. So, N- Nisa Horrigan went on to tonight, um what is it now? Is it The Tonight Show or is it Tonight with Matt Cooper and Ivan Yates or how do they with, uh, yeah, whatever. The, the Tonight Show. The, we all know the one. It's got Mac Cooper and Ivan Yates, whatever it's called. And Lisa Harrigan is one of the, uh, of the Green Party TDs. She's in fact their spokesperson on finance. Uh-huh. She was one of the people who negotiated this deal and she said that The idea that this would close the deficit, that we would have the 7% reduction, that we wouldn't raise taxes and that we'll bring in tax breaks for middle income earners and that we would then, you know, invest in climate action and things like that as well. She said the exact phrase was, I can't make that work. Mm. No, sorry. No, No, sorry. The exact quote is, I can't make that work. I've sat down for five weeks trying to.
1: (laughs) Imagine with a pencil and a piece of paper desperately. No, it's not working out.
0: So that is the Green Party spokesperson on finance saying effectively that the financial measures in the programme for government, the thing that will shape the government for the next five years, are total horseshit. Which might explain why nothing in it is priced now, Nisa would also have. She's got the fine company there, of the um, of the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm just imagining the reaction of the Fiscal Council to this document. <laughs> That's what, any numbers, any numbers at all.
0: So the 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 acting chair of the IFAC, who's a guy called Sebastian Barnes, he basically went, well, Slonczewski on its own will add three billion to spending a year, so uh, we have questions. <laughs> yeah. um, how do yeah. you intend to pay for this? And um, he said, yeah. Yeah, he, um, to be honest, there's so little figures in the document that he couldn't really comment on anything specific. There was mostly just a lot of pausing and a lot of, and how will we pay for this? Do we know how much these things will cost? And then, of course, you had John McGinnis, uh coming out and saying, explicitly said, we don't know what it's going to cost or indeed how much of it we can actually afford to implement. I believe the exact phrasing was that there is nothing really factual in the document.
1: Well, that's reassuring in the so,
0: programme for government. So John McGuinness, fairly solid on finance as well. And both of them. So we have the Green Party finance spokesperson and John McGuinness, who is fairly solid. I mean, he was the chair of the committee of, um, on finance and public expenditure and reform. Where he did an absolutely cracking job.
1: Yeah. He's a successful businessman in his own right. He understands the creation of wealth and business.
0: Yeah, he was on the uh, chair of the Public Accounts Committee, which is, again, also related to financial affairs. He's a former minister of state for trade. So he's not someone who doesn't understand the area I would suspect if you talk to some of the Finnegalers, now I haven't talked to any of the Finnegal TDs about this yet.
1: Joe, you know, you know what I would love to do, Gary, I would love to get Pascal and get him drunk <laughs> and listen and get his real opinion, his genuine opinion on this. Because I think that that could be very, very good television if you got Pascal Donahue's genuine opinion on this.
0: I I suspect he would just tell you that money isn't real, but it's just a product of our minds.
1: Well, I think there is an element that this is—it's it, a bit like—it's are we following the, the advice of Flopsy Mac, Mac Williams, economist extraordinaire, uh, which is based on the Well, money is cheap now, so we should borrow now uh, and invest.
0: Now, Michael, I may be—I may just be a simple podcast host and many other negative things but i seem to remember when people said we should pay back the 200 and odd billion that we owe to people yes people said things like well money is very cheap right now and the economy is growing so we don't actually need to do that we can just pay some of the interest
1: it would actually yeah it would make more sense that because with inflation low the economy growing strongly that we could actually we should pay it down by borrowing more money yeah
0: of course and some people did say that well what if the economy stops growing
1: yeah but why would how would that happen i mean what was the likelihood
0: of that happening i mean there'd be no way the economy would shut down for 4 months no no scuttling the entire thing and yeah 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 um unfortunately that did happen though well
1: it did in a, in in the in the technical sense it happened yes
0: so we now, we now have the wonderful thing of, well, the economy may contract, which will make it harder to meet our debt payment obligations. But God, wouldn't it be great if we just borrowed a ton of money again? Well, and what's the chance of the economy contracting a second time?
1: Yeah. Uh, I can't remember did we talk about this the last time, but I, I, if anybody out there has a chance, go on to your media sorry, and look at the list. Various lists of things what we are going to do. And it's if you can do so with a pure heart and a calm mind, you'll have a laugh. You will just laugh out loud. It's a, it's a list of commitments that if you'd been given them in 2003, when the economy was back growing at 11 or 9%, and people were demanding to know with all the money in the country why we don't have an Olympic size, Swimming pool in Balahadreen. This this program for government would have looked extravagant, and I love the fact that amongst all the spending commitments, and they are spend, 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 and apparently odd ones like, on one hand, a ref, the, this is for the Greens, a reform about Irish agriculture, and Irish, you know, which is I, I'm, I, I, is a way of saying. We want to reduce the herd because they want to reduce the uh, greenhouse gas emissions and we want to all sorts of good reasons. We want to just downsize agriculture. On the same all we have to increase investment and spending in agriculture. So it sounds like farmers are going to get, be getting more money for less work. And that's absolutely, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 100% behind that. But, the only thing that comes qualified are tax cuts. And remember that the ordinary poor aegis in the, in the street who actually is working and going forward, <laughs> he was hoping for maybe getting a couple of quid back from his income tax. No,
0: no. I particularly I particularly like the facts where they say they will review capital gains tax because we will have the sort of money required to start messing around with capital gains tax.
1: Oh yeah. Now and let's remember this is in the context where the EU has made it clear that uh, the that help and sustenance from the emerge from the from the uh, European Central Bank's funding will be contingent on a commitment to a fairer and more transparent tax system across the Union
0: do you know it's it's odd that someone can use the words fairer and transparent and I can hear it in my mind as bend over and take it
1: bend over and take it that's and twelve and a half percent corporation tax goodbye
0: I mean the French have always hated that
1: yeah which is completely hypocritical because I remember reading
0: that they actually have a lower active tax absolutely
1: rate. Reading, but not really understanding, but it was explained to me by a friend of mine who is an accountant and wealth manager in, in, in small words, Heath, that the, if there is the actual rate and what they call the effective t- rate. And for a number of companies in France, the effective corporate tax rate was 4%. Yes, but
0: you see, France has the, the quite difficult to deal with problem that, yes, you actually pay basically no tax. But on the other hand, you have to operate a business in France. Yes. Which you don't want to do. It's like opening a business in southern Italy, if the mob was slightly better organized. <laughs> slightly.
1: Um, I suppose there is a element that the 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 the, the, um, the French have demanding levels of. Uh, shall we say, um, protections and stuff. But can we just... I just want to... This is not to do anything we're talking about, but just to say I was astonished to, to find myself during the week realising that my hero, my new hero, is Macron. Macron, Repres-
0: who, who said that... Um... He abhors racism, but they will not destroy... They will not take down a single name of their history. They will not take down a single statue of it. Not a
1: single statue. We will... This republic will not erase a trace, single trace of history. And he he looks into the camera and says, but I want you to understand this, my fellow citizens. And I said, absolutely. Bravo, finally, finally but that's the french the french are just they're simply different uh, richard Waghorn was writing about this some a while ago he said actually one of the reasons that you might see a slight difference in france to other countries was the french have a longstanding uh, crime which is the defacement of a public act, a public uh, monument or a cultural uh, good where you can you can get a, a year in prison for uh, damaging it or putting graffiti or, or uh, disrespecting it. So therefore French French riots tend to involve beating up police and burning cars and stuff, but they leave the they leave the art alone. Which is very French.
0: Hmm. I mean from 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 something everyone everyone involved has effectively admitted is nonsense, which should that actually worry us or shock us in some way that the programme for government is obviously horseshit. I mean, total just A e to Z nonsense, and I'm not even really bothered by it. Actually, I just I just looked at it and went, well, "Of course, this yes. Why not? Why wouldn't it be?"
1: I want. I there's. I am left with this. I'm left with this nagging doubt. This question on the latest opinion polls. Finna are down to I think twelve percent.
0: No, no. I think fourteen percent. It was a mere nine percent drop.
1: I saw the 14%, but I thought there was one yesterday or this morning. That I saw a new poll.
0: Michael, there is literally no floor to where Mihal Martin will drive Finnefal. So if you told me you saw one that was 9%, I would go, yeah, that's reasonable.
1: My point is that Finafal are not in a good place electorally, right? Leo has a 75% approval rating. Finegale. The last time they, on the, the, the Times poll, they were up 14%. They were on 34%, 35%. Now, and going in the right direction on the other polls as well. And this whole agreement, this absolute balderdash of an agreement, this dog's vomit of an agreement, is going to make Hall Martin Taoiseach before Leo. And Leo's going to have to go back and be the, the tea boy. Now this makes this makes no sense in any kind of a rational universe. So I am left wondering where I'm looking at this let's call it a, a Trojan duck of a budget or whatever. There must be a trapdoor in this somewhere where Finnegale can get out. And I can't believe that they're simply relying on either the Finnefal party members or the Green Party members on rejecting it. And just and therefore provoking an election, there must be. I have to believe, if this world is going to make sense, Gary, there has to be a a, a trapdoor that Fine Gael have cleverly constructed in the middle of this, that they can press a button and the whole thing will fall apart, and they can stand back and say, "Oh well, we tried, but we're going for an election now," because otherwise the world you know, makes no sense to me. No, the world doesn't make much sense to me at the best times, but.
0: I, I have enjoyed, because I, I don't care anymore, I have enjoyed the level of confusion from members of Finnegale about exactly what is happening here, but also why it is happening. And that sort of is there a plan here? But if your plan is contingent on the Green Party and Finnefall not voting for this, that's not anything you control, that's just guesswork. That's not a plan, that's a prayer. I mean, yeah, you might say, well, Fianna will won't do it, and there are lots of Fianna Fáilers who don't support it, but you're also counting on Fianna Fáilers to vote against going into power. Yes. Which, historically, not likely. The Green Party? Green Party could do anything. I mean, they could forget there's a vote on. <laughs>
1: yeah. And even though they have got, I would say, a stonking good deal on the basis of uh, what percentage of the vote they got. I mean,
0: they, they got a very good deal that... It may be that their voters, because
1: remember one thing about the Green voter as opposed to the Finnegale or Finnefall of today. They believe in things. So it makes them unusual and unpredictable. They may look and say, no, this is not enough. This is impure this is wrong we will not be associated with this. This would make us unclean Leave it. But you know, you cannot base anything on the predictability of people who believe in things.
0: I, I, I don't know and to be honest, I don't think they know. But actually from from as I was saying, from one type of nonsense which we've all admitted is nonsense, to another type of nonsense which no one seems to have admitted is nonsense. Pubs, pubs are going to be a are going to be allowed to reopen at the end of this month and it looks like the guidelines are going to be that you have to serve a substantial meal worth over nine euro in order to serve alcohol. Now it also looks like there will be an allowance to go from two meters of social distance to one meter of social distance if people leave the premises within 90 minutes. Which I did see someone, I did see someone ask if this means we are going to see a large number of substantial meal crawls. <laughs> yeah, so I've just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wind up on this one. Um, I can't find anyone who can explain to me. and i've I've emailed Falch Iron and I've emailed the relevant departments and if they get back with something that isn't total nonsense or nonsense even, I'll report it. I haven't been able to find anyone who's been able to tell me what the actual science behind this is. In fact, there doesn't seem to be any science behind it.
1: Well, there isn't science behind it. There can't, can't be science behind it. But there is an explanation, We and I think we pretty well know. Restaurants were going to open before pubs. Some pubs are restaurants. I mean, I feel like I'm constructing a... a, you know, a, a uh, a syllogism in first-year philosophy: All restaurants can open at the end of January. Some pubs are restaurants. Therefore, some pubs can open at the end of, of the end of the end of June. That's the syllogism. So, how do we define pubs that are restaurants? Well, they've decided that what they're going to do is say that you can't be considered to be that unless you do. You provide um, a, a substantial meal. Now what they don't nine euro, what they don't explain is if the concern is safety, how the substantialness of the meal or the price of the meal in any way actually affect the safety. Why is it that I could be sitting in one of the finer restaurants or hotels in the city? A toasted sandwich might well cost you 15 euro. And it might come with a side of fries and a salad. And I don't know. Would you call that a substantial meal? Like it could be. I mean, it depends how hungry you are. It could be. But certainly in the cost, it's 15 euro covered. It, but why that makes it safer? Why it's safer to eat a toasted sandwich as opposed to a burger and chips? Or vice versa. Why that makes one person more... Also, you have to leave after 90 minutes. But can you come back in? How long do you have to stay away? Can you stay in for 90 minutes, go out, have a fag, have a chat, and then go back in? And if you go back in, do you have to have another meal? Or does the meal that you've had... Does that... I mean, I don't... So
0: I I, I assume what happened here is the government has internally classed restaurants as being lower risk than pubs, and wants to put barriers. Pubs were oh, pubs were originally meant to reopen in July. And the public in um well to be fair, a lot of different groups said that they thought that was largely ridiculous. And that they should be opened earlier, rightly or wrongly. And the government not wanting to say no to a sectoral interest said yes and then started putting barriers in the way of it like you will need a meal interestingly they also said that if you're a pub and you want to start serving meals during this period you won't need a restaurant license or you won't need to be registered as a restaurant so you'll need to be you'll need to become a restaurant to open but not a restaurant restaurant
1: no then again it's ridiculous you have to be a restaurant restaurant in the first place to be a restaurant no, I'm sure it's nothing to do with this, but, I mean, it's the well-known observable fact that restaurants, you know, tend to be the milieu maybe of... Well, of course, what do you mean by the restaurant? As to say, restaurants tend to be the milieu, more a middle-class kind of experience, whereas you get lots of sort of working-class people who go to pubs, and, of course, they would get
0: drunk and lick each other. And actually, this is something I wanted to point out. So it looks like they've taken the idea of a substantial meal from a piece of legislation, from the Intoxicating Liquor Act of 1962. Yeah. It says that a substantial meal is the meal that might be expected to be served as a main midday or main evening meal or as a main course at either such meal. And it sets a minimum price. Do you know what the minimum price is, Michael? From when? 1962. Uh, five shillings, I'm guessing. It,
1: it is exactly five shillings. And do you know how this is going to be enforced, Gary? It won't be. No, I, 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 I was thinking about this, and I've, I have, I've cracked it. You'd be too young to remember, but back in the day when people in Ireland were Catholics, we used to have fast days. And on a fast day, you were allowed to have a main meal and a collation, right? And there would be a lot of discussion about what constituted a main meal what was a collation what was, substantial, what was a substantial so the experts in the field of field of defining what what is a, a, a substantial meal are elderly priests so we're going to be, we're going to send elderly priests all across the country to go into these pubs and to decide and the, and every pub will be terrified of the elderly priest coming in and saying no that is not a substantial meal That is is a collation, and they'll be closed down. That's the way it's going to be done. I'm confident of this.
0: But here's, here's my point here. So it, by definition under this, a substantial meal needs to be the kind of thing you'd have as part of a midday or evening meal. There is no... That on its own would be sufficient if you wanted to ensure that people couldn't be given like a packet of crisps. Why then did they say, which needs to cost at least nine euro? Because there's a certain whiff of, um, should we say, per people shouldn't be allowed to drink off it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, because you could imagine a circumstance in which people might, say, serve up a burger and chips in a place, which they, you know, if they had a, a grill and a deep fat fryer, they could give people a burger and chips, which would be... Could be a main meal. And they would bite the bullet and just charge cost in order to allow people to come in. And charge two, I mean, a few frozen chips, a burger, a bun. You could do it for cost for a, what, 150, two euros, something like that. But that would maybe, that would be just a way of getting people to eat to the but We don't want, I don't know why we don't want that, Gary, but apparently we, we don't want that. Look,
0: here's the thing. The pubs are either safe or they're unsafe. If they're unsafe, they shouldn't be opened. If they're safe, they should be able to open. But this sort of fucking nonsense of just, well, they're well yes, I suppose they're safe enough to open, but we've got to have these restrictions on it. Because the social distancing restrictions are there anyway. The nine euro
1: will not affect any pub grub spot in dalkey or Killiney. Or on Morehampton Road or off Stevens Green because no pub anywhere near there is going to be charging less than uh 11.95 12.95 for a main course at a, on a lunch but there are presume, there are going to be other places other pubs which will be I, for no reason the price is absolutely inconsequential to the subject but I, I it feels like they're doing stuff because they feel like they have to also, if if Just a group of people there,
0: do they all need to get a meal, or can one person get a meal and as long as that person orders the drinks, it'd be perfectly fine? Or could I sell you a meal for a tenner that comes with a free Jack and Coke? Ah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, if I have my uh, my burger and chips, which is for a tenner, but it all comes with a Jack of, a Jack and Coke and a vodka.
0: This is the sort of stuff I hate nearly above anything else in politics. This sort of, well, we have to do something. We can't just let them reopen. So we'll just do this. And we probably won't actually get anyone to check it. And we probably won't actually in any way enforce it. But we'll just do it. It's based, yeah, it's it's another syllogism, which is we must
1: do something. This is something. We will do this. There's no logic behind this. And do you think they won't check it? I don't know. You see, I can see situation, because this is perceived as a health and safety issue, they may not, but I can imagine a certain proportion of the public being very happy to get on the blower and ring up and say, Doyle's or Burns or whatever is doing this and is breaking the law and you should get down there because we need to in the name of covid-19 it needs to be closed i can see that happening i can see competitors making sure i mean if you're a it's it's a competitive advantage isn't it if you're do if you're if you're following the rules beautifully and perfectly and somebody else you feel is making a monkey out of them why wouldn't you make sure that the monkey maker isn't dobbed in with the cops hmm it is absolutely doing something. I, 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 I was saying to you, I think part of it may be that amongst a certain part of the population, there is a kind of a generalised anxiety about coming out of lockdown. And you see these these rather heated conversations now, say, about opening up schools. And some people say, oh, God, we have to have schools. We have, we must They must open, they must open. And others going, oh, no, oh, 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 no. Uh, is it safe? Do we know? What's going to happen? Uh, Could we have a second? Could this be a second a white spike, a second wave? Particularly like we know, with with when we see the news from China from yesterday, a lot of people are very jittery, and I think maybe I don't think correctly, but maybe some of this stuff is to create a sense that we're actually managing this thing slowly and responsibly and it's okay we're, we're only coming out very slowly and gently and, and only in the safest possible way so you don't have to get worried because some people are just worried
0: about the idea of coming out of the house yeah i think we did we did expedite the planned speed of coming out of this it seemed to come after it was mentioned that we were moving quite slowly compared to the rest of europe and there seemed to be Nearly a knee jerk sort of, well, we don't want to be the slowest in Europe.
1: I think, as much as I dislike being fair, I'll be fair. This I think that I had said, or in fact, we, we we had been saying some weeks before, all of this, that when we when you looked at the roadmap for the future, that they were being pretty conservative in order to give themselves the chance to then accelerate the process, when we. Uh, Uh, when it seemed to be uh, suitable which would give the sense that oh look we've done such a super duper job that actually we can now come out safely at a more at a at a at a a faster pace than we had originally planned so i i think it was always likely that they were going to come out uh, expedient the problem with this of course was you're going to try and you're going to have to come up with logical reasons why you could come out quickly here, but not over here. You could do this, but not that. And logical reasons are uh, have been and are going to continue to be hard to come by. But then again, Gary, who's asking for them? It's not like that. the press is... Have you seen anybody pressing for a reason why this is so? Why thus is thusly?
0: Oh, why, why like the pub thing or...
1: Well, the pub thing, pub thing, restaurant thing, the price thing—it—it it doesn't seem to be causing anybody any particular pause.
0: No, I—I have—I mean, in all the articles I've read about, let's say the pub thing, I haven't read one explanation of why that's happening.
1: Nor somebody saying, "I don't know why this is happening. We—we we should be told."
0: No, hasn't uh, hasn't come up. So,
1: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it's broke, but we don't notice it, don't talk about it.
0: Hmm. So, to America, two, two things that happened, which were, one was very funny, one will be very funny f- further down the line. The thing that was very funny immediately was someone in America got shot, probably several times. And uh, it's a video.
1: It should not be funny, guys. But a, you,
0: even good. you will admit it's quite funny.
1: There is a certain there's a certain very low, very bad part of a person that watches it and goes goes ha, ha, which is wrong which is so very, there's very there's a wrong. video for
0: this. I'll see if I can get a link to it and put it in the um the podcast, but i'm I'm not sure if I have it saved and there's guys trying to tear down a statue, and there's a counter protester there from it looks like from one of the militias, and he's just dressed in like t shirts and uh blue. Sorry, a blue t-shirt, a single blue t-shirt, not t-shirts and shorts. And apparently he was getting a little bit rowdy. You don't see this in the video, but people are saying it's another video where he pushes someone and they go to the ground. But anyway, this crowd of people start attacking him with skateboards and just punching him and throwing him around. They're
1: they're running after, they're chasing, pursuing him. They just catch him and they're hitting him with the, the, the skateboard and saying
0: something yeah so he he tries to he gets out of the crowd he keeps retreating and he's telling them to stop and he's like you don't want to do this and they keep chasing him and you can hear people in the crowd yelling what sounds like kill him or we're gonna kill you man i
1: think it's definitely um, as they catch him actually they're on we're going to kill you and possibly even we're going to kill you dude i'm not sure
0: yeah yeah So then he gets thrown to the ground and as he comes back up, you can hear the crowd being like, oh, he's carrying. And then he gets back up and one of the guys tries to attack him and all you can hear is gunshots. And anyway, the person he shot isn't dead, but they're in a critical condition. And there is a sort of a, what are you going to do? Shoot me?
1: (laughs) There is a, yeah, yeah. Because they're chasing him. There's a big worst all it's which is never a nice thing to see even without context you see one person being chased by by a bunch of people and they're shouting at him they're when they catch him they're getting him down they're hitting him with a skateboard and they're saying we're going to kill you now when in response to that a guy who has a gun starts to shoot you have to say well you, you were kind
0: of asking.
1: I mean, you were I kind mean, of begging.
0: A court will take into account the chance of we're going to kill you.
1: We're going to kill you. Could be taken, I think, by some people. <laughs> As a threat. Rep- a threat. You know, that, that might make somebody fear for their life.
0: Now, I did. I did see people and they're saying, no, well, he started it and therefore it wasn't self-defense. We're like, Okay, let's say what we're hearing is true. And he did throw some woman to the ground beforehand. Yeah. He then tries to leave the area. He tries to de-escalate. And you follow him. Yeah. At the point you follow him, now it's moved back to his (coughs) self-defence.
1: Gary, when they're saying we're going to kill you, it's self-defence. It's not... (laughs) It's really not that complicated. We're going to kill you. Well... Uh, I, 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 is, did you feel uh, a threat to your life at that stage yes I did your honour I really did the we're going to kill you as they beat me with their skateboards made me feel for, fear for my life yeah, uh, so, I, I, th- um, I think that's an argument you could make
0: I mean if he might get some sort of battery charge if he did assault a woman but the shooting will probably be found to have been perfectly reasonable no, also it is very funny how quickly the crowd goes to oh, someone get the cops
1: they are gone it's boom yeah
0: those police we wanted to fund oh no yeah. the violence
1: well you see the person who said that I'd be interested to know where they were from because they were obviously speaking from a place of privilege
0: yeah I like the guy who you can hear before the other guy is shot is telling him to stop because the guy has a gun and you're like, "Okay, no, this is a willful decision you've made to keep attacking someone you now know as a gun and probably fears for their life because you're not letting them leave
1: yeah, you' getting see not not that much chlorine in that end of the gene pool
0: mm, but that was i mean it's one of the funniest times I've seen someone get shot
1: in 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 all the um in that top ten of hilarious people getting shot videos." Yeah, that it's. No, it's the, like
0: it's like seeing someone go up to a bear with a stick and then get mauled. You're like, it's bad that you got mauled, but it's also kind of funny because you poked it with a stick.
1: Yeah, well, as long as you don't have to see or hear the what happens. <laughs> there is actually a documentary all about a man who did precisely that, made by Ver. Werner Herzog. It's a very good documentary.
0: It is, yeah, and uh Yeah. That was a totally unsurprising end to a documentary, I've got to say.
1: Completely unsurprising. We are never we never get to hear the and Herzog says he made a decision. But there is actually a tape of the attack and he we are we're told that it is too horrible too horrifying to be listened to. And you're thinking if Werner Herzog is saying that, it must be pretty the horrific.
0: Werner Herzog is a man who once got shot during a live interview. And when asked if he wanted to stop the interviews, he simply said, it is an inconsequential bullet.
1: Wasn't it Herzog? Her, was uh, Herzog directed Fitzgerald with Klaus Kinski. And, uh, and, and Kinski actually... <laughs> Kinski paid the natives, the native... Uh, 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 Indians in of the the Brazilian of the rainforest, I think, tried to get them to kill
0: Herzog. Yes, and then they offered to instead eat Kinski.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because they decided that maybe, on the balance of things, that Herzog wasn't the real problem. If you haven't seen *Fitzcarraldo*, I would never recommend *Fitzcarraldo*. It's a film I hate, but every time I start to see it, I I end up not being able to stop watching it. It is. It's actually about an an Irishman as well, a mad Irishman, mad Irishman who decides he wants to build a beautiful, uh, who just actually builds. I don't know why the boat is well. Anyway, he brings the boat from the one river into the other river, over the mountain, which is the story, and it's involves his desire to build a very beautiful opera house in Manos, which was the rubber capital, uh, built city built on rubber in. Uh, the Amazon forest still exists. And I think that the opera house may still exist. But uh, the Irishman, he was an Irishman and he played by Klaus Kinski in one of the maddest, manicest performances ever known. The scene with him and the monkeys is just... Anyway, that's not exactly the point of
0: what we're taking. Right. What
1: was the other thing that you so found? The
0: thing that will be funny later is The Federalist. So MB, NBC News announced... That the Federalist, which is an American conservative uh, news and opinion site, it's not. Like, I mean, it's it's not Breitbart and it's not National Review. It it tried to be something in between those things, where it's fairly serious commentary, but it's also going to say things that the National Review would just not say because they they would be impolite. Like, yeah, it'd be not nice. And zero hedge is um, way more difficult to explain. Actually, I don't know how you describe it. you can explain zero hedge. Zero hedge is a financial blog, and that in no way tells you what it's. it's it publishes a lot of opinion pieces, and it lot uh, publishes a lot of other stuff. Uh, it's on the right. It is sort of the wild west. Um this will give you an idea of their style. The in-house stuff is published under the name of Tyler Durden, who is the uh, main character in Fight Club.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's an odd, you will find occasion. you will find some brilliant stuff on us and some off the wall stuff on us.
0: Oh, absolutely. They'll, they'll just publish it if they think it's interesting and they don't care how it looks. But sometimes they have some really good stuff. But anyway, NBC partnered with a British organisation, the Centre for Ending Digital Hate, I believe. Wow. And they went to Google and they said that here are some examples of racism from these sites, which NBC described as far-right sites. Now, The Federalist is by no account far-right. Zero Hedge may have published something that's far-right because God knows what they've published, but The Federalist, absolutely not. And NBC News then reported that Google had removed all of the monetization uh, for ads on The Federalist and Zero Hedge, which is to say, if you are an online platform, that is pretty much an existential threat to you. Nearly everyone runs their ads through Google. It's how they make all of their money. The Federalist, I don't think, has a subscription model, so it's fully ad-funded. So effectively, this could have killed both of them. And then people started asking questions. And it turned out that, well, well, let I say turned out, but let, let, let me rephrase that. Google are now saying that they did not kick the Federalist off. And it wasn't about anything on their articles. They, they did give the Federalist a notice saying they would be kicked off if they didn't change some things about their site. They said they'd also given that notice to Zero Hedge and Zero Hedge hadn't fixed it. So Zero Hedge had legitimately been demonetized. And that's 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 one thing. So they said NBC News was wrong. It had nothing to do with racism in articles. It had nothing to do with them being uh, NBC's description of far right. But what they said was it was due to their comment section. That they had decided to defund the entirety of Zero Hedge and the Federalists Not because of anything that was written in an article. But because of their funding uh, or sorry of their of their comment section yeah now this is particularly interesting because google and facebook and twitter and social media in general exists because they are not considered to be responsible for what is published on their uh, platforms yes so if google links to a blog that's defamatory that's not google's fault even though they have made it easier to see so that, that's called the, the Section 230 uh, protection. Google is now saying that the Federalist and Zero Hedge should be removed from their network because they should be held responsible for, comment, for comments on their pieces that they don't control. And this led to Senator Josh Hawley, who is considered possibly the most prominent opponent of big tech currently in the... Um, in the U.S. Senate, I mean, to, he, but he
1: wants to basically wants to break up Google. Oh and yeah, to, yeah,
0: he, he, th- he thinks they are monopolies, and that should go the antitrust route, and they should be just systematically broken apart. So Josh Harley responded to this by putting up a little thing which says, "So you want to you want to treat the federalist comment section, which they don't create, as their speech, but simultaneously say the content you directly host and modify." is not your speech under Section 230. Wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah, how do you manage that? And you can see between Google and NBC the sort of frantic, someone needs to go under the bus so Hawley doesn't get us in front of a congressional committee explaining this. (laughs) Because
1: because that would look good
0: I mean if section 230 protection was to be removed from Google it would destroy Google overnight there'd be no way they could function because that would mean any time they inadvertently like if you searched for defamatory content and they gave it to you they would be responsible for defamation and if they couldn't there would be no way for them to operate it would destroy the entire company overnight so that was an existential threat to uh, Google. Now, by the time Google came out and said that NBC was entirely wrong, Holly was already tweeting about this and talking about it. So it'll be interesting to see if NBC is actually wrong or if Google are just throwing NBC under the bus because NBC, for their part, said that not only did Google tell them that both of them had been taken off, For that reason. But that they did so in an email. Oh. So NBC. If they wanted to. Could very easily prove. What they said was correct. If it was correct. So. That would be quite interesting. Also they they quoted an expert. In the piece. And that expert wasn't told. What the the purpose of the piece was. So they themselves. Took to Twitter to say that she in no way would support the defunding of these websites and it would be an absolutely ridiculous move. <laughs> and then then people started looking into the reporter who had done this and she was thanking the NGO groups, the Centre for Stopping Digital Hate or Online Hate, for working with her on this. And... Um, and you know, using the Black Lives Matter hashtag, and and now people are currently dredging through her social media, and finding all of her political opinions and bringing them to light, which is very comfortable for her, I'm sure. Mm. So NBC, well, and, and for
1: NBC is particularly
0: NBC. You're saying that Google has backtracked, not said that they were wrong. They are sorry. It's the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Which weirdly enough has one of its patrons that woman from Countdown,
1: Carol Vorderman.
0: No, not that one. Uh, so Rachel get... Riley
1: is it? Oh, Rachel Riley, right?
0: Yeah, that's just a little bit of a uh, of bit of trivia a for you there.
1: Yeah, a bit of trivia. We, all, we like we like a bit of trivia. That is going to go. That's going to be fun. That's going to run and run because it's all part of a, a, a wider story, isn't it? Whether which. The, the great Donald has already uh, waved the stick at uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and and Google and in the case in, in, as whether or not the, they they are going to because continue to be considered to be platforms or indeed publishers. and they know he knows what they want and they know what they want. and this is part of that conversation
0: um the other interesting thing is that the research that they say led google to pull uh, the federalist and and zero hedge doesn't seem to be publicly available i asked google would they give the research to me or in some way confirm that they are yeah. what is true <laughs> so google got back got back to me to say that they never defunded the federalist and you know, Thanks for reaching out and allowing us to clarify, but didn't respond to any of the more pointed questions like um, exactly what had happened with Zero Hedge and how long had they been given that sort of stuff. And Mm -hmm. could I have the report that they were given or was NBC incorrect on that as well? So we will see what happens with that. The likelihood is that Google is now going to end up in front of a congressional committee been grilled quite thoroughly by uh, holly who actually did a fairly good job the last time google were called back and seems to be fairly bullying on this one
1: well senate committees have a, a record and a reputation they're not places anybody likes to go uh, you're on onto the lights
0: cnn's director of news and this is i just see this is cnn to put this in perspective tweeted out that uh, getting a getting a rival publication you disagree with, defunded, is not journalism, it's Activision. Or it's Activision, It's Activision. activism.
1: I love that, Activision.
0: A very different company. So even even the more liberal media in the US is not supporting this, possibly because they realise that if this is the road they want to go down, it's going to be used against them pretty quickly.
1: Mm -hmm. that's the way they will go no doubt
0: so we will be you will hear the the interview with uh, Colin on Friday and then we will be back on the Sunday as per normal
1: then stay safe bye bye all the best